Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. A lot of people erroneously think that buskers play in the subway because they have to, because they're not good enough to play elsewhere, because they can't get a job, because they're homeless. Nothing could be further away from the truth. Busking comes from a place of purpose rather than a hunger for profit. It becomes who you are uh, and not just what you are. I feel that being a musician is is what I am. That is my my job, that is my career. But being a busker, it's who I am. The pandemic changed the where, the how, but also what I am. Now having not busked for seven months, I barely remember who I am. I feel like I, I've lost my identity. My name is Natalia Poruz, but everyone calls me Saw Lady because I play the musical Saw. I am a concert musician, but mostly I've been busking in the New York City subway for more than 20 years. The singing saw is actually a very old tradition. They expect 300 years, but today not many people know about it. The musical saw is essentially a carpenter's hand saw, a full-bladed non-electric saw. There are different ways of playing it, but the most usual is playing sitting down, placing the handle of the saw between the knees and holding the tip of the blade with one hand. In my case, it's the left hand because I'm right-handed. In the right hand, I hold the bow, which is just like a violin bow, a cello bow, a regular bow. To play it, I bend the blade so it creates a sort of S-curve in the metal and that is what enables the, the sound to come out. Angelic, it's uh, otherworldly. It's the closest thing, I think, to the human voice wanting to say something unspeakable. It fills the space and it settles the air. It's a very different sound from other sounds. I came across it by complete chance. I was not looking for a strange musical instrument. I used to be a dancer. I was a trainee with the Martha Graham Dance Company. Basically, ever since uh, I was a kid, the life that I planned for myself was to be a dancer. And that all came to a screeching halt When I was coming back from Lincoln Center one day, I was crossing Central Park South and I was hit by a car. That was the end of my dance career. 
and it left me devastated. So I was climbing the wall trying to figure out what am I going to do with the rest of my life. And my parents wanted to cheer me up and they took me on a trip to Europe. And while in Europe, we went to see a show for tourists and one of the act was a musical saw player. I have never seen such a thing in my life before, neither have my parents. But I was mesmerized completely by the fact that when you play the saw, it's very visual. The entire instrument moves, whereas if you think of other musical instruments like a violin, the bow moves, but the violin itself doesn't move. And I just felt a fire inside of me, like, I want to do this. So I went backstage to talk with that saw player and I asked him if he would teach me how to play. I asked him for a lesson and he said no, he refused. He said, go home, pick up a regular hands-off that people use for carpentry and imitate what you remember me doing and figure it out. In the old time, like a hundred years ago, Saw players did not believe in teaching the art form. They believed that you were supposed to just try it yourself. If you figure it out, you are meant to be a saw player. If you can't figure it out on your own, forget about it. It's not for you. So I'm actually very grateful to that saw playing for saying no to me. Because by doing so, he allowed me to experience the art form in the traditional way. And I did figure it out. But my mother, who was a concert pianist, said to me that there's no such thing as learning a musical instrument on your own. You have to have a teacher. So I looked for a teacher. I couldn't find any. First, it was frustrating because I had a million questions and no one to ask them of. But I ended up inventing my own technique, sort of out of ignorance. I didn't know back then that the tradition of this art form is playing slow music and slurring between the notes. Very legato, it's called in music terms. I didn't know that. (laughs) And so I wanted to play fast melodies and I didn't want to slur from note to note. So I invented a technique which is called snapping the blade. which is not only bending it up and down, but at the same time also bending it on the diagonal, like twisting it. So I used to bring the saw to work with me. I was a souvenir salesperson at the Broadway theaters. I only had to work while the audience walked into the theater, walked out, and during intermission. And in my free time, I went outside. There was a parking lot near the theater and I sat there teaching myself how to play just practicing you know for the fun of it and one day as I was playing there a guy and his son came over and they hung out by me for a while listening and then the guy took out a five dollar bill from his pocket and handed it to me and I was like wow why are you giving me money and he said well we really enjoyed hearing you play and we want to show our appreciation i thought that was crazy i uh, went inside to tell my friends what happened 
And my friends were like, oh, you have to go and play in front of the theater during intermission because that's when all the buskers would come to perform. And I was like, no, no, I have no intention of performing and I'm not you know, good enough yet. But my friends would not take no for an answer. And so not during our intermission, because we all had to work then, but the theater next door had a longer show. So their intermission was at a different time from ours. My friends dragged me out, placed an empty box in front of me. One of them put a dollar bill in the box and they all stood back to see what would happen. So, okay, I started to play and people started gathering around me and I noticed their faces, they were smiling, they were interested, they were clapping their hands for me, they were taking pictures, and then they started putting money in the box. And at the end of the 10-minute intermission, there was as much money in the box as I was making at work that day. So that's when I realized, oh, maybe I should not be practicing in the remote corner of a parking lot, Maybe I should be practicing on the street. My confidence grew and I decided to brave it around the corner onto Broadway. A big street, lots of foot traffic, lots of tourists. I was having crowds of people. Everybody wanted to talk to me. The energy was really addictive. And it was also encouraging to me because... It forced me to play. They would come and stand in front of me, fold their arms and be like, okay, let's see, see what you can do. So that got me to be better and better at what I was doing. But when winter came, you know, cold, rain, snow, I couldn't play on the street anymore, but I didn't want to stop. And that's when I first ventured down into the subway. I started playing on the downtown NNR platform. The Times Square subway station was the nearest station to my job. And the first thing that happened was I noticed the acoustics. And the acoustics in the subway is so good. It adds natural reverb to the sound and it naturally amplifies the sound. When I was playing on the street, the sound was so thin, like a whistle. In the subway, all of a sudden, the massive concrete walls of the subway got the sound to ricochet from one wall to the other and the high ceilings, the sound was augmented a hundredfold. For a musician to play in good acoustics, it's like candy to a child. And then the people were just as nice as the people on the street. You see the transformation on their faces as they listen to you. They come and talk to you, and there is an exchange of energy. And for me, it's exhilarating. And I just, I never wanted to go back up on the street. I just stayed in the subway.
time I played in the subway was March 17th. Then I went into hibernation. Uh, of course, I keep playing. I do uh, gigs over Zoom, over Facebook Live. But the things that I, I do are more like what a musician would do. It's not what a busker would do. So yes, I have released an album during the pandemic and life does go on, of course. But I feel as if I am reinventing myself. It's as if I need to find a different persona for myself. And I am looking forward to the ability to go back into busking, but I have trepidations about it. Firstly, I don't think that it will happen anytime soon. But when that happens, I think it would be different. I think it would take a long time to go back to being the way it was, if at all. For a busker, the mask is a, a, big, a big deal because I need my audience to interact with me, to see my face, that I'm smiling at them, that I'm non-threatening. I think also people might be more reticent at uh, approaching a busker, coming to talk with me. So I don't know. It's a big unknown. And it's this uncertainty that is the most unsettling. Busking is definitely a big part of the New York City identity. And people get used to seeing us at our spots much like they get used to seeing a bank or a building or the Empire State Building. The buildings of New York City, the skyline, symbolizes the power of the city. I think that buskers symbolize the freedom of the city and the artistic nature of the city. Now, the city has sort of become a, a ghost town. I fear for the city and I have refrained from taking the subway for as long as I could in these past few months. But I had a dentist appointment uh, and it was actually an emergency. So I had to take the subway. And I was so distraught by, by what I saw in the city that I actually wrote it down. I wrote down my feelings. I passed by my spots in the subway where I used to play. Now engulfed in desolate, piercing quiet. Neither hustle nor bustle, only shrill, shrieking silence. The energy of the city is masked. I used to be an integral part of the city. Now the city is disintegrated, stifled under cloth. As I walked through the nearly empty subway stations, I felt as if we, who used to call this space our own, are still ghostly there like a fainting echo in the city's collective memory. are on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.